I'm David Fair, and welcome to this week's edition of Issues of the Environment. Today we're going to talk about energy poverty and the search for solutions to the unequal energy burdens that exist in our society. Our guest is Tony Reams, who serves as an assistant professor in the School for Environment and Sustainability and as director of the Urban Energy Justice Lab at the University of Michigan. Thank you so much for the time today, Tony. Thank you for having me, David. How would you define energy poverty? Um, Energy poverty is um, the inability of households to adequately meet their energy needs. Um, And this has some physical, economic, and behavioral dimensions. And it also exacerbates adverse health issues. So do we have a statistical breakdown of the amount of energy being used in more affluent areas versus low-income areas? Yeah, so what we see when it comes to energy consumption, low-income households and communities of color often live in smaller homes and consume less energy. But they consume that energy efficiently, which means they're wasting energy and often spending more for that energy that they consume. So when you say we're wasting energy, are these energy efficiency measures? Yes. So um, although low-income households and a lot of households of color consume less energy, again, they're using it less efficiently because of appliances or the physical structure of the home is not well insulated. So, again, wasting energy and spending more and more on that energy. What percentage of income is actually affordable for low-income areas on average? So, an affordable energy burden, which is the percent of your income spent on uh, residential energy costs, usually electricity and heating, um, anything less than 6% is considered affordable. If you spend more than 10% of your income on energy costs, that's considered an extreme energy burden. Now, uh, there is a disparity of somewhere between 4 and 14% of what is affordable and what low-income households are paying on average. How did we get to this place? So the United States has recognized energy poverty and energy burdens as an issue um, ever since the energy oil crisis in the 1970s. Um, and so we have federal programs that address energy affordability called the Low-Income Home Energy Assistance Program. But with most programs, you know, there's never enough resources for the need across the country. Um, And so often, because households can't afford to make their homes more efficient, they have lower incomes and deferred maintenance. Um, We have vast uh, majority of people across the country that face it. We are talking with Tony Reams. He is assistant professor in the School for Environment and Sustainability and the director at the Urban Energy Justice Lab at the University of Michigan. And we're talking about energy poverty. Now, Tony, we're in the midst of climate change. Many now call it climate crisis. The planet is warming. Energy needs may become greater. Have you projected forward at all and explored what climate is going to do to the existing disparity in energy need and consumption? Yeah, we know that extreme temperatures, whether um, extreme heat or extreme cold, will exacerbate energy poverty, um, especially because the consumption is tied to efficiency. Um, homes that you know will be using more heat, uh, natural gas can be expensive um, for households during the winter time. One thing we notice along the in the southern region of the country is that increased um, air conditioning use in the summertime has mm-hmm. really exacerbated energy poverty. Um, it'll be interesting to see what it's like here in the Midwest, as we know that many of the older homes in the Detroit area and some of our older cities, uh, most homes were not built with AC. And so will low-income households you know, suffer because they don't have access to AC in these extreme heat temperatures? 
We are in the beginning stages of the move towards more renewable energy sources. We all know it's more sustainable than fossil fuels, and we're told it will ultimately be more cost-effective. Is that your finding when it comes to the study of energy poverty? As we think about the energy transition, we must center equity in our decision-making process. If we don't, we will have the same disparities that have existed in our current energy system. And so we need to look at policies that and incentives for low-income households and communities of color to participate in this transition. How do we equitably distribute renewable energy? How do we look at transitioning households to electric vehicles? What we don't want to happen is that the more wealthy households are able to participate in this transition and lower-income households and communities of color are left with disinvested energy infrastructure and relying on fossil fuels. Seems to continue along the policy of the haves continue to have more and the have-nots continue to have less. Exactly. In dealing with utilities, obviously profit margin is at the core of what they do, in addition to providing grid security and the energy that we all consume. Uh, are there policy shifts in pricing or distribution that need to be addressed immediately and then for the long term as well? I, th I think there are some really interesting uh, pilot projects going on that are considering this idea of a percentage of income payment. And so if we have identified that 6% is an affordable or less than 6% is an affordable energy burden, how do we recognize the income that different utility users have and create a rate structure that allows them to affordably access energy? Um, again, does that align with utility uh, goals? That is a conversation that needs to be had and an honest conversation that we should have between our regulators, utilities, and customers. Once again, this is Issues of the Environment on 89.1 WEMU, and we're talking with the director of the Urban Energy Justice Lab at the University of Michigan, Tony Reams. We've highlighted some of the issues and problems surrounding energy poverty, and we're going to continue now talking about more solutions. We've talked about efficiency, but... Uh, what are the immediate measures that perhaps even lower-income people can take in their homes to increase that efficiency and save money? So some of the low-hanging fruit when it comes to energy efficiency are simple things like light bulbs. Um, and so how do we change out um, in inefficient incandescent bulbs for LED bulbs? But even aren't those LED bulbs more expensive in low-income neighborhoods than they are in big-box stores in higher-end neighborhoods? That is a great question. Uh, in a study that we did in the Detroit Metro, we did find that LED bulbs were less available and more expensive uh, in lower-income neighborhoods. Um, and so one of the ways we can solve that solution uh, is direct installs by utility companies um, or actually partnering with some of the smaller uh, stores in low-income communities to rebate or discount the cost of LED bulbs. And, uh, you know, when you start talking about windows and increasing insulation and bringing in companies to do that, further waterproofing and uh, insulating basements, fact of the matter is it's all very expensive and inaccessible to all too many. So how important will government and community subsidies be to the success of such efforts? I think it'll be very important, David. One of the um, exciting things about the current infrastructure plan that the Biden administration has proposed is that housing is a key component of that. And I think we have to consider our housing stock as part of our national infrastructure. And so if we can get to this point of community energy projects where we you know, renovate homes on a block, 
that block is good for the next 20 years, and then you go to the next block. Um, I'm a former civil engineer, an infrastructure engineer, and you know, we had five-year capital improvement plans where you renovated streets and renovated your old pipes. And so if we do that same type of planning for housing, uh, we could create jobs, reduce the impact on the environment, and begin to reduce energy poverty. When we have these conversations, Tony, we always tend to talk about home ownership and what we're doing in those residences. But what about the apartment complexes, the condominium complexes that seem to have their own set of rules and own set of management? Yeah, multifamily is a major um, component to this idea of um, housing and buildings as infrastructure. Um, getting owners on board to understand if you reduce the energy cost, which often is the second highest cost that um, that residents pay, then they can pay their rent, they can you know buy food, and they don't have to make choices between energy things like medication. Uh, and so reducing energy costs allows for residents to do more with their disposable income and, and pay rent and pay mortgages on Well, again, the Biden administration infrastructure proposal is under consideration now and could make a both short and longer term difference. Steps are being taken to address climate, getting to a place where we actually level things off on that front will take at minimum decades, perhaps significantly longer. Over the next 20 to 30 years, do you think there is the will, the political will and the community will to address energy poverty and make it better or will it be worse in decades to come? I think the pandemic has really highlighted this challenge, um, and you saw movement toward considering energy as a basic right with all the shutoff moratoriums across the country. Now, as those begin to expire, it will be interesting to see how utilities and regulators and communities um, deal with these challenges of massive debt that people have racked up. But I do think there is now a light being shown on energy poverty uh, and how essential energy is stuck in our homes or if the energy consumption has transitioned from our workplaces and schools to um, our homes. And so I think this experience will create the political climate to actually move on this. I'd like to thank you for taking time to share information with us today, Tony. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Tony Reams is an assistant professor in the School for Environment and Sustainability and serves as director of the Urban Energy Justice Lab at the University of Michigan. For more information on today's topic, visit our website at wemu.org. Issues of the Environment is produced in partnership with the Office of the Washtenaw County Water Resources Commissioner, and you hear it every Wednesday. I'm David Fair, and this is your community NPR station, 89.1 WEMU-FM and WEMU-HD1 Ypsilanti.